Well, what is the glory? I've told you before, but I think you need a little review, so I'm going to review just a minute. The glory is the revelation of the presence of God, or it is the presence of God revealed. Now, we know that God is everywhere, right? Do y'all know that God is everywhere? We sing a song that says God is everywhere. And God is everywhere. There's no, the, in Romans it says you could, you, there's nowhere you can go to escape Him. You could go to the very bottom of the ocean and He'd be there. Amen? There you could go to the highest point in heaven and He'd be there. See, you, there's nowhere to go. God is everywhere. There's nowhere to go to escape Him. But His manifest presence is not everywhere, is it? I mean, you could go some places tonight and you would know the presence of God wasn't there. In fact, you might feel the presence of something that you knew was, was really the opposite of God. It would feel like the Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit's already in the earth. And have you ever felt that, 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 that anointing? That's a, that's a false anointing, a, a wrong anointing. But sometimes you can go in places and you can sense that, 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 that thing. But the glory is the revealed presence of God, the manifestation of His presence. And so when we talk about the anointing, when we talk about the Holy Ghost, when we talk about those things, a lot, all of that really has to do and is His glory. That is the glory of God. And the glory of God has been visiting uh, our services, but not just ours, the body of Christ. The glory of God is visiting His people. The glory, the manifest presence of God has been coming into services. It's been coming into services here, but not just here. This is a worldwide outpouring. Amen. And so the manifest is not coming into every church, but it's coming in where the glory is welcomed and where the glory is esteemed and where the atmosphere of the church is right. The atmosphere. We do a lot to create the right atmosphere. Amen. And we can learn to flow with the... We're learning. You know, Kevin's learning on the piano. We're learning. You know, Deanna's learning what songs to sing at the right time. And none of us, Pastor and I aren't authorities. We don't know. We can't take them into the office and say, Now, when so-and-so happens, play this song. That, that, it don't work that way. Now, sometimes you can tell when it's not right. And so we just make the adjustment and we just flow with it um, and go the way the, that the Lord would direct us. And the more we practice, the better we get at this glory thing and this anointing thing. Amen. And God's wanting to teach us corporately and individually how to receive his glory, how to how to how to act in the presence of the glory and how to keep how to sustain the glory. Because we can cause the glory to stay. We can cause the glory to lift the anointing to lift by how we react to it and how we flow with it. And none of us here on purpose would try to cause the glory to lift, or would, but, but, but we just have to be students, we have to be teachable, and we have to cooperate, and we have to, when we miss it, and say, oh, Father, you know, we have to repent when we miss it. But sometimes it's not just us. I mean, sometimes it's nothing we did that the glory lifts. Now, I haven't even, I'm not even on my notes yet, but I feel led to say this. Sometimes God's just, He comes in waves, and so sometimes it's just the back. It's just when the wave goes back. And if you'll just stay in there, the wave will come back. Do you see what I mean? And so instead of just saying, oh, well, the glory lifted, okay, and start going and doing something else, if you'll just stay hooked in with your faith and just stay hooked in to the anointing, the wave of the Lord will come back. Now, I was made aware of that in several ways, but one thing I was made aware is we went to a prayer conference, and at the prayer conference, uh, we would be praying, and then we'd be praying, and, and then all of a sudden, it, it was like the, the anointing to pray would sort of lift. 
And then the anointing to pray would 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 come back. And the, the teacher there was smart enough to teach us if we would... And she even had a piano player. She had a musician that was happened to be on a piano that said... And this was so neat, is the anointing would lift and set the piano, and, and it was so the people could rest. When you're praying in an intensity situation like that, sometimes you need to rest. And so the piano player would, she t- this is what the speaker said, the piano player is holding our position in the Holy Ghost while the Holy Ghost is letting us rest and then it would come back and the anointing to pray would be back there. And so that, that is just how that worked. Now, I'm just helping some of you there. Maybe I'm just helping our musicians. I don't know. But um, that there's, there's things we can learn like that about the glory. The earth's atmosphere is air. Heaven's atmosphere is the glory. The earth's atmosphere is air. Heaven's atmosphere is the glory. You know what? You can't see air. Did you know you can't see air? You can't see air, but I guarantee you that every one of you would know if there wasn't any in this room. You would know it. Well, we can't see the glory all the time, but we would know, we know when there's none there. I know we were in a service one time in a major church with a major ministry, and Pastor Tony Collins was there with us, and he looked over at us, and the the singers had sung about 45 minutes. He looked over at us, and he said, there ain't one drop of anointing in this room. You know, and he was right. And, uh, and it wasn't until the speaker came in that the anointing came in with the speaker. Now, I'm not going to go into why and all that, but all my point is, is you can tell when the anointing's there and when it's not. Amen? And you know, you say, well, it's because the preacher. It really has very little to do with the preacher usually. It mostly has to do with other, other circumstances and other situations, and we'll learn more of that as we go along. But uh, anyway, you could tell if there would be no air in here, and you can tell when there's no manifest presence of God. Amen? Now, sometimes when air is moving very rapidly, you can tell, can't you? How can you tell when air is moving rapidly? It, yeah, but you don't see the wind, do you? No, you just see leaves moving and trees moving, but you don't actually see the air that's moving. You just see what's happening. And sometimes that's the way with the move of the Holy Ghost or when the glory falls. You don't see it, but boy, you can sure tell it's moving over there because of what somebody's doing. Amen? I mean, somebody in the service may get to doing something that is totally out of character for them, and you say, boy, the wind of the Holy Ghost is moving over there. The glory, the glory's falling over there. Um, so sometimes, but then sometimes now, God, and we've been, that's been happening for years, but now we're more and more seeing the manifest presence of His glory. Actually seeing the glory. People are seeing glory clouds. People are seeing smoke. People are seeing golden drops of rain and things like that. I know when we were in Word of Life at the Ed Dufresne meetings, well, uh, Ed Dufresne had a lady, I think it was Johnny Walker's mother, I'm not positive about that, had her stand up in the aisle and uh, she and he just said to her, be healed, like that. And when he did, uh, uh, several people saw smoke come out of his mouth when he said that. A puff of smoke came out of his mouth. And so they got the video out real quick and after the service to see if it showed up on the video, and it did. It was on the video, the smoke coming out of his mouth. Amen? So sometimes we're seeing the glory. Amen? I'm here to announce to you tonight that you need to expect to see it. 
We've been taught in the body of Christ, really not just like a teaching taught, but it's just been uh, kind of understood taught that you should not really expect to see anything. And you know, we're not in it for the chill and the thrill. We're not saying, oh, we had a good service because I got three goosebumps tonight. Or we're not saying, boy, you know, I, I used to hear this. We had a good service tonight. Pastor didn't even get to preach. Listen, y'all, there is nothing above the Word of God. Jesus said, I've exalted the Word. I mean, God said, I've exalted the Word even above my name. Amen. And then there are those that think that you've had a good service if you had tongue and interpretation. But, you know, you could have, you can, there's all manner of stuff God wants to do. We just put him in a box and limit him so much to just one or two things. Well, God wants to move among us and uh, he, wants us to, he wants us to see. He wants us to see into the spirit realm. You know, if somebody is blind and can't see in the natural realm, we know that's not right. There's something wrong when somebody can't see in the natural realm, isn't there? Is there something wrong when somebody can't hear in the natural? We call them deaf, don't we? Or if they can't hear very good, we say they're hard of hearing. If they can't see, we say they're blind. And, and there's something wrong. There is something very wrong when someone can't feel anything. They have no sense of feeling. No sense of touch. They can't feel anything. Y'all would say that they are handicapped. Any one of those three things, you would say that's wrong. That is abnormal. It is not right. But yet we've taught the body of Christ that it's perfectly normal for you never to hear God. It is perfectly normal for you to have never seen anything in the spirit realm. In fact, you probably, you will never see God. We have had that. Uh, that has been taught to us either subconsciously or consciously. And we've been taught that you should never try to feel anything. Well, I'm not for, let's don't try to cook up any experiences. But you know, everything's by faith. And if you don't believe to see God, you're not going to see Him. Amen? And God wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants you to see Him. If He didn't, why? And you just take your concordance out and look. Why did He say over and over in the Word, Seek my face? Now, we've been taught we couldn't see the face of God. But let me... And we usually get that from Moses, who was an old covenant man, dead spiritually. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't a good man. I'm saying that he was not a recreated, born-again man. He had, a, he had a fallen nature still because Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. And no one was born again. And so we take that Old Testament Scripture and we say, well, you know, Moses asked to see God. And, but, you know, really God didn't even deny him if you study that out. And here you are, a recreated, born-again, son or daughter of God, and we've got the impression, boy, I can't see anything. And the body of Christ said, man, I never see anything. And I, I never hear God's voice. You don't know how many times I have had church members tell me I don't hear God's voice. But, the, but John says, in the book of John, it says, my sheep hear my voice. God, Jesus said that. My sheep hear my voice. And so we need to expect to hear. We need to expect to know and sense when the Holy Ghost is present. Present. Family, you need to have your sensors turned on so that when you walk in a room and the spirit ain't right, you know it so you can turn around and walk out. But instead, we've got a bunch of Christians that are deaf and dumb and, and, and whatever else you... I don't even know what it's called when you don't have any sense of feeling. But we... Huh? 
paralyzed. Well, yeah, and we've got a bunch of Christians that, that they're deaf and dumb spiritually and paralyzed, can't feel anything. And so, dear Lord, it's a wonder you don't walk off a cliff, you know? We ought, to be see, we ought to be seeing into the spirit realm. Now, I'm not talking about seeing a demon under every rock and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about we ought to be using our faith to, Father God, I want to see your glory. I, I mean, if somebody's seeing a glory cloud, dear Lord, Father, I want to see it. Amen? Praise God, we'll just kick that one out of the way. It's no good yet. I mean, I already preached that. so And I'm already, I've already lost in these notes, I think. So... Um, but we need to be using our faith to see God. Um, we are already in the days of glory. I know there's a song on Janet Berzee's tape. I think the whole tape's called Days of Glory. And, it, and, and there's a song that says, Days of Glory are just ahead. Well, that one's already gone because that when she made it, that was right. Days of Glory were ahead. But family, we live in the glorious day of the Lord. Right now are days of glory. God is manifesting Himself all over the earth unusual manifestations hallelujah this church this church by word of the lord is to be the alabama center of revival amen that's what we're going we're to be a center of revival hallelujah praise god oh hallelujah got to walk by faith here don't we hallelujah praise god well so we live in that glorious day of the lord and I've already taught you, and boy, I tell you, the musicians have caught that. They've been helping us get into the glory. Y'all have been cooperating with the Holy Ghost. I want to commend you for being teachable and for flowing with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And we've been worshiping the Lord, and the glory's been coming in. Now, when you worship the Lord, because we praise until the spirit of worship comes, we worship till the glory comes, and then we... I like to say this. I've told you before, we stand in the glory. But let me make that a little more personal and more clear. We really, what we do is we move out in the glory. Sometimes we just stand there in awe of His presence. But there's much more that can happen in the glory than just a holy hush. Now we have been, the body of Christ is pretty used to the holy hush. And we, some, we never knew how we got there before. Now y'all know how we get there. You knew what, now you know what brings the holy hush. You know it's when like there's a divine conductor and all of a sudden all the kids, all the adults, it's just like, and everybody just bees quiet. It's the holy hush. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. But there's much more in the glory. There's things to move out in. There's things, sometimes you know you might move out in prophecy. Sometimes you might, there might be, there might be the song of the Lord. I'm so thankful the musicians, not, they did right. I was standing over there saying, we need to sing in the Holy Ghost. I knew, I knew we were supposed to sing in the Holy Ghost. And so we sang in the Holy Ghost. Now that's not something we've done very often in this church because we have made a determination that we're going to let the Holy Spirit, we're not going to sing in the Holy Ghost trying to make something happen, that we're going to praise Him and we're going to worship Him. And then when, if He moves on us we're, and, and, and there's the anointing to sing in the Holy Ghost, we're going to do that. And so because of that, we hadn't done that very often and plus just learning to flow with each other and so forth. But that's what we were supposed to do was sing in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to get used to that because Paul said, he said, I pray with my spirit. I pray with my spirit. I pray with my understanding. Then he said, I sing with my spirit and I sing with my understanding. So we would not be New Testament if we don't sing in the spirit. Well, what's singing in the spirit? Well, it's singing a song either in English or in tongues that you have never heard before. 
That's what singing in the Spirit is. It's singing a song either in English or in tongues that you have never heard before. And you can literally begin to sing. And you, you can do this at home. You don't have to just do this in church. But there's a song that will come out of your spirit. And literally, uh, you can sing. And it can, it, it can be prophetic singing. Hey, listen. You do not have to be musical. It's not necessary to be on key. It is not necessary for this tune to make sense. It's not necessary for your song to have a rhyme to it. You know, hey, we're not going to take it to Nashville. We're not going to record it. But the Lord, he, the Lord enjoys it and the Lord as we sing to him under the anointing of the you know as we sow to heaven he sows to the earth amen okay praise God and so he's sowing to the earth some other things that you can expect under the glory I want to give you some other things besides the holy hush the thing you can expect under the glory is an ease e-a-s-e ease everything is easier in the glory when you get in the glory, healing becomes very easy. When you get in the glory, um, the, the thing as we prayed for these people and speaking things into their lives that were by unction that we had no way of knowing, that's it, it's very easy. It's the most natural thing. I have seen myself. In fact, I did not even remember doing this. But when in South Carolina, they told me that the re, that when when people in the church will would say. Well, Michael and Debbie Billings are coming. Who is that? I don't remember them. They'd say, well, she's the one that beat up Rick. There's this guy in the church. I did not remember that I beat this guy up. But he said something about he was in the prayer line, and I don't remember what he said, something about I can't. And I just started pounding on him, saying, yes, you can, yes, you And see, in the anointing, in the glory, those kind of things. Now, I just wouldn't do that as a normal rule. But I found, and you will probably, you will find yourself, you will do just about anything in the glory. There's just an easiness. There's a boldness that comes on you, and things are easy. Finances are easy in the glory. See, because when you get in the glory, then the King of glory does the work. Amen? And there's a productivity to the seed that's in the glory. The hundredfold that you see in the Bible, that's reserved in the glory. Now, we, you've seen sprinklings of that in the body of Christ. But for the most part, the body of Christ has not had hundredfold return on their seat. You've seen little bitty demonstrations of that throughout the body of Christ. But as a whole, most of us have not seen that very often. Pastor and I, as far as I know, have seen it one time. And in our church in Seminole, we sowed $2,000 out of our building fund, and we reaped, like two years later, something like two years later, I think it was, we reaped a $200,000 building out of that, $240,000 building or something like that. And it was the hundredfold. And we sowed that $2,000 out of our building fund, and we just reaped that. I mean, it just dropped into our hand. But that is just that has been... Few and far between. The reason that we don't see it like we are going to see it and like God wants us to see it, and even we're in a season that it's time to see that, is because the hundredfold is in the glory. In the hundredfold, all the seed, the see the productivity, the productivity of a seed is not determined by the seed. Besides, this seed is incorruptible. Amen. The productivity of the seed is determined by the ground. And in the glory, the ground gets right, and we start seeing hundredfold um, on our finances. The ground gets prepared. Amen. Well, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, 
I'm going there. I may be there for and, and back before you get there. So just listen if you're not there. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is very powerful, but the word of God is not the sword of the spirit without the anointing on it. The Word of God is not the sword of the Spirit without the anointing on it. So when you get in the anointing, everything is increased. This is something you need to know about the anointing. The anointing causes anything to increase. And it causes things to move quicker. Now this is so important. You need to write that down and meditate on it. When you get in the anointing, things move quicker. And so that's why sometimes we have sown seed that we didn't see very fast harvest sown. Two reasons. One is the anointing, a lack of it in our lives. The other reason is because of not, ex not expecting immediate sleep. There's been kind of an unspoken, untaught, but kind of an undercurrent thing that we thought that we had to wait. We focus more on the, the, the faith side that says, okay, now I'm going to believe I receive, but I'm going to have to wait. We focus more on that than we had the other side, which is what Jesus operated in. And he's the pattern son, as pastor's been teaching us. Jesus didn't operate in those. He operated in immediately. The people he prayed for got healed immediately. Only one didn't, and they said they were healed as they went. As they started walking off, they were healed. Well, the reason we don't see more immediately in the body of Christ has everything to do with expectation. You need to start expecting immediately. There is an anointing. There is anointing. Amen? There is an anointing. Hallelujah. For those things. Now, the second thing you can expect in the, in, in, in the, in the glory is revelation. Revelation. We, we, we talked about seeing Jesus and you being anointed to see. God wants you to see. Sometimes when you start seeing, though, it's not just going to be the face, the literal face of Jesus. When you start seeing, family, you start seeing the harvest fields. You start seeing the nations of the earth. You start seeing, you start seeing like that. Amen? And so we're going to be seeing like He sees. Uh, in, in Revelation 1.12, I'll turn there, read to you. John said this, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Nearly every chapter in Revelation says, I saw. We, we need to be seeing. We need to be seeing. And sometimes it's not just Jesus' face we see, but sometimes it's like John, we see a candlestick, or we see something that means something. Amen. Well, how do we see? Do we see? Do we see it with our literal, literal eyes? Not most often. Most often, you're going to see it with your spirit. Y'all are all seeing things every day and not even realizing that it's God. You know, you may be cleaning house and all of a sudden you just see yourself going to the grocery store, and before you know it, you've gotten your purse and you've headed to the grocery store, and you don't even realize that that was God showing you that. And that you were seeing in the spirit realm, and then you acted out what you saw done. And sometimes you men at work, you're fixing something, and all of a sudden you see, in the, you see how to put a bolt a certain place, or you see how we're to do something, and it fixes it, and you know that you don't even realize you saw, you just saw into the spirit realm. And then you acted out what you saw. 
And you know, that that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, uh, I do what I see my father do. You know, that's how he ministered. That's how he knew who to, how to minister to people. That's how he knew who to call out of the crowd. He would, see, he would see it happening. He would see himself doing it. He would see it happening. And so then he would just act it out. That's how we minister. That's how other ministers of God minister is a lot of times just see yourself doing it. Amen? And it's happening to you all the time already. Amen? You're seeing well, you can just carry that a little further and you can begin to see. But, you know, sometimes we don't see and we don't hear because we're afraid to hear and see because we're afraid we don't want to do whatever He showed us to see and do. All of us. Hallelujah. All of us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You, you, you do it when you're driving. Sometimes you'll see yourself changing lanes. First thing you know, you know what you do is you change lanes. You do it. It's the Holy Ghost inside of you leading you, leading you, leading you. So you get up in the morning and you see, I, I see, I do this all the time and you do too. You see yourself coming to church and you see yourself wearing a certain dress. You see yourself. Before you ever go to your closet, you're standing there washing dishes, you see yourself wearing a certain dress. And then you go to that closet and pick out that dress. And then sometimes you say, I don't want to wear that dress. And so you go and try to put on everything else in your closet and everything else either needs ironing or has a button off or something like that. You know, the Lord's always right. Hallelujah. Praise God. He's always right. So we can expect revelation in the glory. But more than that kind of sin, we need to expect to see His face. He said, seek my face. We need to expect to see Jesus. I, I, you know, it's not just reserved that the pastor knows when Jesus comes in the church. You can know it too. You can know it too. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can know when Jesus walks in your bedroom. And He will. And when Jesus comes, something's fixing to happen. Change is the result. Amen. Now, the next thing in the glory is a knowing. Uh, Brother Hagin says that the spirit of seeing and knowing is on the increase. So a knowing comes. You know, it has, the, here's, here's the word of the Lord to you. It has been given unto you to know. It has been given unto you to know. You need to quit saying, I don't know. We're trying to train ourselves not to say, I don't know. First John says, I have an unction from the Holy One and I know all things. So you know what? You may not know with your head, but you already know with your spirit. And you've got to just get it from your spirit to your head. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, the fourth thing that comes in the glory is perspective. Now that happened tonight. That was happening here down here tonight. There were some people coming up here and they were saying, I need help. And you know what they, just nearly all of them, you know what they needed? They needed a different perspective. Satan tries to get us out of perspective. He begins to magnify the wrong things. And, and he, that's what he does is he gets out his magnifying glass and he tries to make mountain out of molehills. He magnifies the problem. Amen. But And you know what we do? Most of the time, Satan drags out his magnifying glass, he focuses it on the problem, and we look through that magnifying glass, and we start praying to God about that what we see through the magnifying glass. We start praying the problem. We do. We do. And we start thinking about how bad it is. And you know, a lot, and, and, and it's, you know what we need? We need a different perspective. 
We need a different perspective. And in the glory, you know, down here tonight, everybody down here, they got a different perspective. In the glory, our perspective on our assignment will change and the priorities of our life will change. The glory is going to change your priorities. And so we need to learn to cooperate with the glory. And one thing we do, and hear me give you some things that we do to get into the glory, is we got to press for it. Now, we've been learning to do that. We've been learning to ascend, that, it's a, that we're going up and that we're ascending. And you know, in this ascent, we've got to fight off the distractions. Y'all, do y'all feel that? Sometimes the distractions come from within. Sometimes th- thoughts are hitting your mind. Sometimes thoughts that aren't good are hitting your mind. Sometimes it's just like, you know, you find your mind thinking about, well, what are we going to do after church? Or you find your mind thinking about, I need to tell them so-and-so after church. And we got to fight those distractions off. How do I do that? Just kind of, just, just refocus on Jesus. Don't let it throw you off. Realize where it's coming from. Realize it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Realize that de- the devil's opposing you and your ascent into the glory. And it's not, it's, not, it's not the fact that, oh, I'm just not a spiritual person. Look at all these other people. They've got their hands raised and, and they're, they're really focused on God. But me, I, 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 here I am. I'm just, and, and you know, sometimes it's worse than others. Sometimes the, 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 the enemy tries to bring thoughts. Our flesh tries to distract us. You know, your flesh will tell you, man, your feet hurt. Oh, your feet hurt. Man, you're tired. You gotta fight, you gotta fight off the distractions. And you just keep on pressing. Amen. Cause as soon as you get in that glory, you're gonna forget all about your feet. All right. I, I, you know how I know? Cause we come up here and we preach under the anointing of God. And you know what? We are not tired. Nothing hurts. I mean, even if it hurt before church, it doesn't hurt here. So if you can get in the glory, if you can get in the anointing, everything's going to quit hurting. And when you come back out, you'll forever be changed. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the truth. Then uh, the second thing that you need to do to cooperate with the glory is have clean hands. Have clean hands. See, we, I want to turn over to Psalm chapter 24. Actually, I forgot to take you to the, uh, to the Scripture. But over in Psalm chapter 24. We sing this, we sing a song about this. Who shall ascend, verse 3 of Psalm 24, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. So we need to make sure that our hands are clean. Well, what do you mean by that, Debbie? Well, it means our deeds need to be clean. Listen, don't get caught in the glory with the holy tithe in your hand. It's dangerous. It's going to become increasingly more dangerous as we go along in these end times and as the glory gets stronger. See, that's what happened, and I don't have time to go into it fully tonight, but that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Ghost and got caught with money in their hand that they said they gave, you know, and they lied, and they and 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 they got they just fell over dead. Judgment came on them, and you know we've seen you know what though in our day in our day we've seen preachers do lots worse than that, and judgment didn't come. I've had my own church members do worse than that. 
members of our church do worse than that. And judgment didn't come. I wanted it to sometimes, but it didn't. Well, what's the difference? Well, I tell you what was the difference. If you read in right before that, it says that Peter's shadow was in the streets and was healing people in the streets. Not just one street, but streets. It used the word streets. And his shadow was not just his shadow like the sun shining on you and there's your shadow. That's not what his shadow was. His shadow was the glory cloud. It was the cloud of God's glory. And the more we have the cloud of God's glory in manifestation, you'll see those things. you got to have pure hands. You need to have pure hands. Amen? You need to make sure that what you're handling is pure. You don't want to be caught in adultery. Now, I know this is a no-brainer. But you need, but you know, just in case somebody didn't understand, you don't want to be with somebody else's husband or somebody else's wife in the glory. You don't want to be in fornication in the glory. That's if you're not married. Adultery is if you're married. Fornication is if you're not married. Y'all understand the difference. You don't want to be there in these times we live in. It's not safe. I know that people got away with it before in churches. Man, there's been churches that where the whole church was caught up into wife swapping and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Why? Because the glory's not there. When the glory's there, though, it's not safe to not have clean hands. Amen. And then that psalm goes on to say that we need to have a pure heart. You need to have your heart pure. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that not only does your deeds need to be right, but you've got to have your heart right on the inside. We don't need any offenses, unforgiveness. We don't need to have any strife in our heart. We don't need to have any bitterness in our heart. We don't need to have any grudges that we're carrying around in our heart. We don't need any rebellion in our heart. We don't need to have pride in our heart. We don't need to be critical. It's all about attitudes. Isn't that what's the heart? It's about attitudes. we got to have clean hands and a pure heart. Well, Debbie, how do I get my heart pure? Because I've got to confess, I've had some of those attitudes. It's real simple. Just acknowledge it as sin, repent, and ask the Lord to forgive you. And then don't live by your feelings. You forgive people by faith just like you get healed by faith. And so once you've prayed and said, Now, Lord, I, by an act of my will, I just forgive them and I release them to you. Then you don't go by how you feel. If they walk in the room and you feel a little cringe, you just say, No, no, now I've forgiven in Jesus' name. And you just refuse that feeling. And eventually that feeling goes away. But you can't live by your feelings and offenses are concerned. And then you make yourself do what's the right thing to do. He said you bless. You bless them that curse you. You pray for them that despitefully use you. Is this right? Am I telling you right? Isn't that what you do? And you can always tell when somebody's carrying a grudge, they're not praying. Or they're not praying right. They may be praying, oh, Father, you see what they did to me. Oh, God, you know how horrible and how bad it hurt and all that. You're not praying right. He said for you to pray for them and to bless them. You need to start calling down blessings on them. Father, I'm asking you to bless them. I'm asking you to, to give them a hundredfold on their seed. Well, I don't want him to, though. Well, do it anyway. Live by faith. And all of a sudden, your heart starts lining up. Amen? Praise God. That's how you get rid of it. Okay, number four, the next thing to do to prepare for the glory is help your pastor prepare for the glory. You need to get yourself in your assignment and get trained. 
I'm telling you, you know how it is for the glory for what's fixed to be poured out? It's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. You have an assignment. You have something you're supposed to be doing in the kingdom of God. And you need to get yourself in the assignment and get yourself trained. Hallelujah. Praise God. We won't have time for all of that tonight. The next thing we're going to talk about is fearing God. And we're going to leave. This is not, this is not too much longer. We need to fear God. But this is Sunday night, remember? Amen. We need to fear God. Now, this is what, now we're going to go on with this on a later night, so I'm not going to go into this real deep. But fearing God is, a, is not scared. The body of Christ has listened to too many hellfire and damnation preachers, and they are scared of God. And so they run from Him. But that's not the kind of fear that He wants us to have for Him. We're to fear God, but what He wants us to have is a reverential fear. It's the awe. It's, <gasps> we need to have that where we're, <gasps> We sing a song, I stand, I stand in awe of you. Instead, most churches, they don't even know if he's there or not. People, the people are distracted. The people are irreverent. Now, I'm not talking about here. You are, but we go places. And you're very reverent, but we need to keep a check on it too, and we need to, we need to keep ourselves uh, in it and keep ourselves focused in it. Let me tell you, if you were sitting at the... And, and, and this happens in this church sometimes. If you were sitting in front of the President of the United States, you wouldn't sit there and go, there's not a fear of God there. You're not, God, you're here. You're fixing to speak to me. And if you, family, will get that kind of, ah, God's fixing to speak, you will, you will literally draw heaven. It, heaven will literally just come down. It will just rush out to you. we got to have that. Ah. I, we go places. I have been places before when Michael was preaching, and, and I was sitting on this row. And in the reflection on the pulpit, I could see somebody right over here with a coffee cup. I, let, I saw it in the reflection, so I looked over there. Guess who it was? The pastor's wife. <laughs> then we was in a church one time, and this one's what actually we actually attended. And this pastor's wife, she sat on the back row, and you know, she had longer hair than mine, so I wish I could do it. But she just sat there and chewed gum and twisted her hair the whole time he preached. There's not an awe. <gasps> Then we, we go to churches where, you go to these churches too, B, where, the, where all the musicians have their big slurpy cup up here. <gasps> we don't have that. <gasps> Not to mention that no wonder their carpet is stained from stem to stern. And I'm preaching good to you. Listen, I promise you, five years we had Christian school in our church. You should see the churches that have Christian school. They are, they are falling down around them because, but I promise you, our church looked just as good after five years of Christian school. They still have the same carpet. And we hadn't had Christian school since 1993, 94, 93, 93. Why? Because we told those kids in that Christian school, we said, this is God's property. This is God. We even had grass. We didn't allow the kids in the school to walk on. We said, that's God's grass. You walk on the sidewalk. Every day at lunch, we had what we, I called goober patrol. He talked about goobers this morning. But we had goober patrol. The kids couldn't come in from lunch till they picked up all the trash and all the stuff on the playground. Goober patrol. Because we taught them to take care of God's property. Because that's that. Now, not that, not that God, God's everywhere. And sometimes we've, but you know what? We've set aside this place. 
And we've said this is, you know, there's really nothing special about this room in the sense of it's not holy in the sense of like a cathedral, but there is the fact that we've set this thing apart and we've consecrated it and there's an atmosphere that we try to maintain here and that atmosphere doesn't leave when we walk out of here. You know, you, you the atmosphere, when you can go into an empty bar and the atmosphere's still there even if people aren't there. Isn't that correct? Well, the atmosphere's still in a church even when people aren't there. Pastor Webb talks about David Seymour's little boy. And they came into Word of Life when David Seymour was working there in Children's Church. And it was back when they were in the, I think it was the, it was the storefront in front of the Crystal Cathedral. And, and they walked in and he said, the little boy said, and they learned this in Children's Church, of course, but he could sense the atmosphere. He could sense the presence. And he said, Daddy, El Diablo don't live here, does he? See, the little boy could tell El Diablo wasn't in the place. See, El Diablo's not in here. And that's why we don't, you know, even, now nobody probably in this church would ever want to, but sometimes people, the Lions Club want to use the church for their pancake supper. You know, that's wrong, family. It's wrong. Now, and you know, sometimes, well, we want to bless the community. Well, you need to keep your sanctuary the presence of God. You need to keep the atmosphere right. You know, sometimes they want to use the, the, the sanctuary to have a piano recital. Well, I think First Presbyterian is probably available. Y'all just go on down. Well, I mean, I'm being honest with you, but it's not anything wrong with piano recitals. Not anything wrong with it at all. But we've consecrated this place that there's just one kind of music. Amen? Because we're wanting to create an atmosphere, not because we're holier than thou, not because we're religious, not because we think it'd be bad if we had a, if we have a Christmas party and we sing something else. That's not what we're talking about. We're, but we're talking about just keeping the atmosphere right. Do y'all understand? And so that's the part of the fear of God. Uh, fearing God is more, is, is, has other things. Believe in God and believe in His prophets. You know when God speaks to you and you, you esteem that. When you get a prophecy and you esteem it, it's fear of God. When you get a prophecy up here and you get the tape and, and you transcribe it, that's fearing God. Believe in Him and believe in His prophets, that's fearing God. I'll tell you another, and we prayed this scripture. I may have to have Kathy help me find it, but th this just goes along. I didn't realize how much that scripture fit tonight. But 1 Thessalonians, is that where it was, Kathy? Oh yeah, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is what we prayed over you, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which, we, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believeth. You know, it's your blessing and whether you fear God, it has a lot to do when this, do you think what's coming from this pulpit, that we're just getting up here and having a chat? with you or do you think it's the word of God I mean it's God speaking to me I just wanted to hit a man the other night in one of our meetings that actually I think it was the same man I pounded on a few years ago but he caught up there in front of the meeting and he said and the pastor said did any of you not receive what you came to receive tonight and he got up there and he said he said and we just preached a whole sermon and he said, well, I came expecting to hear a word from the Lord, and I didn't hear God. I didn't hear a word from the Lord tonight. And I thought, you big baby, you. You need your rear end kicked all the way. You did. He did. I mean, I'm going to get a life. You just heard a whole sermon. God was speaking to you. And you, what it is is you're addicted to prophecy. 
And you're, you're living from prophecy to prophecy instead of living on the Word, which is more sure. And God is weaning that big baby. And he got up there and had his little temper, uh, whatever he was having, and pouting party in front of the whole church. And you know what? The pastor kind of reached over and prayed for him. But did he get any words? No. That's not esteeming the, what's spoken from the pulpit as the Word of God. And I know it was the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Um, the, the another thing about fearing God, and we're closing, but you know I can have many closings. But um, you need to expect Him to move. You need to be on the edge of your seat. Now, I'm not talking about literally on the edge of your seat, but I'm talking about, you know, if you're just, oh, man, you know, and you're writing down, you know, the grocery list for tomorrow, and, you know, you, there's, you don't have a fear of God. And the blessings of God come to those that fear God. Amen. And you might you can't do without his blessings. Well, you just you got you gotta be. Amen. Praise God. It's all of that. It's not a cowering, cringing, fawning fear, as the Amplified says. It's not, oh, God's gonna hit us. God's up there in heaven with a heavenly fly swatter whopping people that don't do his will. Boy, if he is, he's not doing a very good job because man, I've wanted him to whop some major in my life. I have. I was like, get him, God. I was like John and fire down from heaven. Not Holy Ghost fire. Consuming fire. Show them, God. Show them. He's not a whopping God, but He does want us to have that. And He wants us to teach our children to have that. Amen. And you know, hey, we're not coming at... I, that's a process. You have to train them into that. So if your kids mess up in this church, we're not mad at you. We know you're training them. Amen? Praise God. You'll get it. They'll catch on. They'll catch on. It don't take many paddlings to catch on. And then uh, care, care, about, care about what he thinks above all others. That's a fear of God. Caring about what he thinks above all others. You know, you, you don't fear God if because He's in heaven. If He's told you to do something or you have unction in a service, but oh, what are they going to think? Now, we've all felt that at times, but you know what? If we stay in that and we don't uh, step out of that, it's we care more what the, he, other people think than we care what God thinks, then we don't really have the right kind of fear of God.